got some bad news. Mm. I am all out of gin after this drink. What the fuck? I know. Do you need to put the drink down and like run to the store real quick? Ah, that's too much work. I'm just gonna have to is there, do it live. Is there like a uh, some kind of like local LA task rabbit postmates thing? I'm sure I could bring you booze. I wonder. I, I people have to have postmated booze, right? I'm sure it's a thing. I've I've never used postmates. I feel like I'm not like a true Angelino until I do. Um that's how it works, right? You just like order stuff and it's like Uber, but they also bring you food. I don't know. Can we test out the power of the podcast and just have you tweet who's willing to bring me gin at this time of night while I record a podcast? I feel like that would just be seen as like some sort of cry for help, you know? Cry for help slash display of power. Sure. <laughs> and then and then they become a guest on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the boy next door? Uh, all right, well, shall we begin? Mm-hmm. Hello, and welcome to Headcanon. I'm Benjamin Light. Hi there. I am Marcus Sparks. And we're back, episode 29 of our second season. Mm-hmm. This week, we're going to be mostly talking about a 2015 film called the Boy Next Door, um, but I do have a few other topics I want to get to before that. Cool. Beginning with our favorite new segment. What are you watching, Marco? Is that the name of the segment? What are you watching, Marco? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, <laughs> I wrote down, after we finished recording, I just wrote down like some of the things I had been watching like earlier that day than just blanked about on the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, and I'll update with stuff since then so i've now i'd watch like episode three of wow wow country like right before we recorded i've now finished that show um whatever uh started the staircase almost done with that started arrested development season five because i had a morbid curiosity um maybe is still great job is in a weird place uh, job is like come uh, on he's trekking down the roads of like tobias storylines and the tobias storylines you know, I'm at a point now where I still quote Tobias Lyons a lot in situations because somehow situations find me like that. But then I start to think like you just believe storylines. Yeah, the, <laughs> Tobias, you blow hard. Um, those storylines are a little. I don't know. They're all gay panic, basically. I mean, yeah, you can't. It you doesn't can't. really translate from 2004 to current. Yeah, I never made it through season four. Personally, I watched like four episodes. I didn't hate it, but I wasn't really feeling it and. I don't know. I I gotta say the Netflix model, and maybe this is just me, and I'm a lazy person or something. But the whole dump a shitload of episodes at once that makes me not want to watch shows. I'm just like, oh my god, that's so much work. I'm I'm just not even gonna watch any of it. Word. Um, I would say the the remix of season four is better. I don't know how much that's saying, but it it is it is finding the strengths of that show in the way that the original season four didn't. Uh, there's a new season of Marcella on Netflix, so I've been watching that when I want to hate myself and feel icky and then cloak and dagger i started watching that oh yeah that's on. how's that that's okay i mean i've stuck with it more than i stuck with runaways <laughs> oh man i made it halfway through that first season and i think i eventually realized they're not going to run away are they anytime soon also westworld yeah without like spoiling anything i don't know i just 
I felt like the last episode of Westworld is the penultimate episode. It was supposed to be like the emotional hammer, but I felt mm-hmm. nothing from it. Like, I don't know. At least that was my impression was that we were supposed to care about mm-hmm. some certain developments that happened. And I was just like, like that's, that was like my reaction to certain, you know, big plot uh, developments. I feel like only, only a male character can be like kind of a selfish, narcissistic asshole and refer to it as my darkness. They <laughs> <I> stayed. <laughs> I don't know. I guess it the show has it's interesting on like an intellectual level to kind of, you know, contemplate what does it mean to be a sentient creature and, you know, if video games were so lifelike as to be, you know, almost um sentient characters, would it still be okay to play them? That kind of thing, you know, like would that affect you? It's like like obviously it's like playing Mortal Kombat, it's not going to turn you into a psychopath, but what if it was so completely real that you couldn't tell the difference between reality and fantasy? Would it then turn you into a psychopath? So that that's those are interesting questions you can kind of think about while you watch a show. But I'm not really emotionally engaged in it. Like at the end of the episode, I'm not just like, oh no, not Teddy. Like who gives a shit? I you know after a couple of episodes of this season, I would say, well, that was really like just the last episode. And like I've said that enough now that I just believe that their model for this season is a loose version of like Lost season six. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, the only character I'm really engaged with is um, Maeve. But yeah, it, it does have a little bit of Lost season six vibe with all the the time jumping and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm 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 trucking for Maeve. I, you know, I've I've I have my theories about the Man in Black, but also Bernard, just because I really like. I really I like, like that actor. Yeah, I like Jeffrey Wright. Um, I really don't care that much about the man in black, to be honest. Well, I kept thinking, okay, well, here's a character who's going to give us a certain aspect into things that we're told are important. But yeah, I, after this last one, which wasn't a bad episode to me, but I was just like, so he's just a selfish asshole? Like, that's that's the big denouement? Okay. My darkness. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the I, I was kind of hoping it would be a twist. And it's like, no, he fucking murdered her, man. At the end, you know, and he's we're flashing back to, you know, what happened. Yeah, I kept I kept thinking that too, and I kept thinking we're gonna get like uh, that great shot of like Saeed at the pool in the temple, and he looks over his shoulder, <laughs> and he's just like, "Yes, I am insane now." <laughs> um, this version I downloaded had the uh, like the the next week's trailer, and I was like, "Holy fuck, that looks huge!" Yeah. I don't know. It's I feel like the show is um it's some sort of like facsimile of prestige television, like or not even prestige television, but like Game of Thrones television, just like big blockbuster television, I guess, which I feel like is like maybe a different thing from like prestige shows like Mad Men or The Wire, you know. It's just like this is the this is the big budget, you know, extravaganza. Like you're not gonna get this kind of serious drama anywhere, like, you know, done this big. And it's like it doesn't really have the depth, I think, that even a show like Game of Thrones has. But it's just kind of like it kind of feels like it does if you look at it at the surface. Yeah, I mean, it could. It certainly could. It could because it wants to be about a lot of big issues. Mm -hmm. But there's almost that's where the mystery box almost gets in the way of the the philosophical ideas of like, like you said, like sentient feeling creatures or what is identity or et cetera, like. And plus the mystery box thing, I feel like if you take that out of the equation, I feel like this show, though, is what my understanding of like The Walking Dead wants to be, 
where it is prestige, but it also is this very genre piece. I, um, I would not call The Walking Dead even a little bit prestige, personally. No, no, but like I've seen enough episodes where they're definitely they're definitely presenting it in a style where they want you to think this is real TV from the network that brought you Mad Men. Yeah, they wish. Yeah. Uh, anyway, what am I watching? I'm going to use this segment to talk about a movie I went and saw called Hereditary. Have you seen this movie? Uh, no, but I, I mean, I, I know pretty much everything now. So I have, I have some questions. I'm curious. I mean, I don't want to spoil also, anything, I guess. What the fuck? Like the Mr. Uh, like writ- blood oath written down. I will not see this movie. Fuck. No, it's not for me. I'm not one of those people. Yeah, I know. I got talked into it. Peanut wanted me to see it. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. She, see this? she saw it and she texted me. She's like, you need to see it. And then another friend I had wanted to see it. And so I was like, okay, fine. I'll go see it. Um, I need to get the podcast. To talk about this. Fuck. This movie is all I have to say. Like, the acting i mean i guess you could say the acting is good the filmmaking is effective i Mm -hmm. wish i hadn't watched this movie i never want to see it again i i guess some people you know who you are if you would like this kind of movie i'm not that kind of person um god that this is just like a movie to give you nightmares and make you feel like shit because of all the uh like grim suffering and the it's just really designed to make you incredibly uncomfortable. I mean, I guess I can appreciate there's there's some little trickeration on display kind of making the audience suspect one thing is going on when mm-hmm. it's really another thing for most of the, uh, the show. So I kind of like that just as a concept. Like, I don't mind being tricked. But um, it's just like a really grim... Rosemary's Baby. I, I've never seen that Rosemary's Baby. But yeah, it's just grim and kind of unpleasant and just designed really to you know make horrifying images stick in your brain like i don't know i don't need that shit in my life would you why didn't see the quiet place would you rate this above or below uh um what was the other one you saw the witch um this i mean i was also i watched the witch like at home i watched this in the theater so there's a little bit of different you know, reception there. This is probably more disturbing than the witch, but it's, if you like the witch, you'd probably like this movie. They're kind of in the, in the similar vein. Hmm. Okay. So you're not going to go live deliciously after this. Would I not like to live deliciously? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, what are you listening to? How am I not living deliciously? Uh, I don't know. Nothing. I mean the usual random songs, music. Did you whatever. did you happen to see there's a new Death Cab coming out? Uh, I, I I did back. I apologize. I did download that single. Um, I know I've listened to it, but I can't say like it really stuck with me. Oh really? I'm digging it. Okay. I uh, but here's here's the guy I am. Okay. Mm. I thought I had downloaded like the last album by the national. And then I go and watch a Dre Davis, like Instagram story. And I'm like, shit, is that from the new national album? I need to go. I need to go download this song. So. Okay. Yeah. Dre, no, Dre Davis uh, has an emotional moment to pink rabbits by the national on her Instagram stories. And I'm, I'm downloading it like 20 minutes later. All right. Yeah. I, I like the new death cat song. I, I don't know. I, this me and this band, we we just vibe together. We're on the same wavelength, I feel like. Hmm. Interesting. I think, like, just based on this, I feel like this is going to be a better album than uh, 
Kintsugi or whatever the last one was called. So if you're if you're twenties and on are some kind of Ben Gibbard narrative, which album which phase of like Def Cab albums is your life at right now? Well, I think I would be at the same phase as the current album, you know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I I read an interview with him where he was kind of politely like implying that he wasn't a fan of um, codes and keys, but Mm. I kind of feel like maybe that's just because it's his like what is marriage album and he got divorced. Like I feel like codes and keys is better than Kintsugi personally. I would agree with that. I would I would say a lot of their albums are better than that last one. That's one is fine. It just I don't know not a lot of bangers as they say. That is what they say. They talk about the bangers. Mm-hmm. I hear that on other you a, podcasts. You want a banger in the mouth? Uh, what are you reading? Um, I have gone back to, for reasons, um, the short stories of an author named Kelly Link. Um, I, I had a book of hers called <laughs> Get in Trouble on my um, shelf for a while. And so I finally picked it up because I had never read one of the, I never finished one of the best short stories in there, which is called um, Two Houses. And then I I also have another of her collections of short stories. She's a great author about very interesting, like genre stuff that ties into, I don't know, like how we psychologically connect with some of these things. It's hard to explain Kelly Link. If you, if you get it, you get it. Um, But I just kind of randomly picked up off my shelf, like her book of short stories to, to digest because that's kind of like i guess my attention span at the moment okay what about you still in stevenson uh yeah i'm still on 70s i haven't finished it i've just been busy like i went up to sacramento this last weekend so i haven't had as much time to read but i should be finishing it soon i hope anyway before we, we saw move, oceans, what's oceans eight we saw oceans oh, eight. yeah we saw oceans eight should we talk about that do you have anything to say it wasn't great you guys I just found it very bland personally. I didn't think it was bad. I just, I thought it was like, to me, it reminded me of how much Ocean's Eleven really isn't that great of a movie either. It's like just skating by on good direction. Um, this the, Ocean's Eight was like, what if Ocean's Eleven had like a less slick director? Which, and it's like, oh, it's Ocean's Eight. That's what it is. Because mm-hmm. I can't, like, I was watching it thinking, like, oh, these characters are all kind of boring. Uh, and then I was like, well, you know, now that I think about the Ocean's Eleven characters are all really boring, too. Like, it's not like they were interesting. No, I mean, they're really in that movie coasting by on how the movie thinks that we find them charming as fuck. And I don't think this movie did a good job of making us believe that, I guess. Not at all. I mean, I, I think we were talking about how Kate Blanchett, who should be fantastic in the Brad Pitt role, is as as closely coded to to be read as a lesbian without daring to say it. I mean, like her her friendship. I mean, it's a close female friendship with Sandra Bullock. I mean, I was rooting for them to have a relationship more than I was rooting for anything to end with Richard Armitage, which I agree with Dana Schwartz. Fuck Richard Armitage. Um, but like she doesn't even they don't even remotely give her the real estate in this film that they would like well, they, give to the Brad Pitt character. To give her like the microwaved plotline of Brad Pitt, like, wait a minute, this is about, you know, your ex. We can't make it personal. That's gonna ruin the job. Like it's like this feels way too similar to the same story beat from the other movie, you know. Although uh Anne Hathaway's fantastic. 
she's the only one with the pulse in the movie i feel like and hathaway quite frankly i think should have had the the debbie ocean role yeah i mean she's fun doing her basically a little bit of a parody of herself but yeah she she might have been more interesting in the debbie ocean role i don't that's a hard role because you have to just be like just very cool and understated you know it's like that you're you're the the man slash woman with a plan who is unfazed and always has a contingency and you know more than everyone else like it's not really that great of a role maybe she could have done something interesting with it sandra bullock was fine but i wasn't ever like blown away or anything which i wasn't really by george clooney either you know it's the thing is, I don't want to compare Sandra Bullock in this role, who on her own, I, I, I didn't think it was suited to her. I don't think it was written no. well for what she does and what she wanted to do. That's true. But I didn't want to compare her to George Clooney. Unfortunately, the movie keeps, I feel like, making those comparisons because she's his sister. And there's like this kind of sort of storyline that maybe he's dead and maybe he's not and maybe it's a mystery. And it's like, I don't care. And the movie really didn't seem to care. I- the cameos from the original Oceans Gang are weird. Dumb, yeah. I came away from yeah. this movie thinking, like, I think the theoretical, like, all-female heist movie that I want is not an Oceans movie because I don't know if an Oceans movie has the, I don't know, the verve or whatever, the range to get it somewhere that I'm interested in. Yeah. I mean, of late, I haven't been, like, the world's biggest Helena Bonham Carter fan. Um, I like Helena like Bonham Carter. She has nothing to do uh, here, but yeah. I thought her what they gave her is terrible in this role. Like she's like the absent-minded fashion designer who spends half the movie just like with her mouth hanging open because she's just like seen something that's kind of like shocking and she doesn't know how to process it. It's yeah. very weird <laughs> and like kind of an Irish accent for no discernible reason. <laughs> No, she's Irish, so yeah. I don't know. It's it was fine. I didn't hate it, but I just was kind of like, eh. Um, I and but then retroactively, I thought about the other Oceans movies, and I was like, yeah, I never really love those movies that much either. I I can't claim that this movie's that much worse than Oceans Eleven. The difference is just a direction. You know, it's nothing to do with the cast or anything like that. Um, I think theoretically, you could have made a better Oceans movie with this cast with a better director at the very least. Yeah, I mean, interviews for like the Oceans movies, Soderbergh will go, will bend over fucking backwards to tell you how he puts like very little thought into like shot design Mm -hmm. and like camera placement. Um, Like he just shows up and like spends 20 minutes and figures it out and then he's good to go. Um, Still, his 20 minutes of half assing where to put the camera is so much better than all of what Gary Ross does in this. Gary Ross is just a hack. I'm sorry. I've never liked any of his movies, really. And it has this, it has the oceans thing where it's like, there is, of course, at some point, like 15 minutes before the end of the movie, this, this like flashback to some aspects of the heist that you had no idea that completely changes it all and doesn't really make it more interesting. But it's like, oh, I would have never guessed you were doing that. And there's an actor out there who only has four credits on his IMDb and they're all oceans movies. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know if you're a big fan of like the Met Gala, it will probably be more interesting to you. I can't say that I am, so I wasn't like, "Ooh, look at that!" You know, like I was just like, "Ha ha ha!" Celebrity cameo. This feels like I'm watching Zoolander. You know, but yeah, I mean, if you really want to talk to us about like what a good, you know, all female cast heist movie was, we'll be in the back. Send a drink over, and we'll tell you all about it. 
Um, and I do think in general, if I was like, if they're like, go make a heist movie, all female cast, I would be like, maybe we trim it down a little bit. Eight characters, a lot of characters to work with. You know, <laughs> like you yeah. get your five man band. You don't need too many more. No. And, but be, have it be characters that you really need to. Yeah. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't clear what the specialty of half the oceans eight were. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, (laughs) spoiler for some spoilers here. Anne Hathaway is presumably like one of the marks. And then at the end, she's inducted into the gang because she's just like, Hey, Hey guys, I'm not a fucking idiot. I deduce what your plan was immediately. Or like, I don't know. It's like Sir Paulson's like logistics. I don't, I don't know. Um, what, like, like I didn't, at least in Ocean's Eleven, I felt like it was like, okay, that's the, that's the guy, the contortionist guy. I know what his role is. And like, oh, this guy's going to pose as a dealer. That's his role, you know? And like, oh, this is the computer guy. Aquafina, I feel like she's, seen she's her... the, she's the pickpocket. It's like, okay, I got that. You're, you're the person who's going to do the pickpocketing and like the swiping. I get that. But like half the other members, it's like, what do you do exactly? What are you doing, Sarah Paulson or Kate Blanchett? Well, like having having seen her in this and dude, I do kind of feel like like Aquafina deserves better roles. And Pitch Perfect. I think she's in Pitch Perfect. I might be wrong about that. Um, should I look that up? Talk amongst yourselves. Why, why? Okay. Google. Anyway, um, um, I don't have much else to say about the movie. Oh, I just Googled water. You Googled water? Yeah. I, I spelled it like the water. Aquafina. I guess there's oh, like a nice. W in there for her. Anyway, um, before we move on to discussing the boy next door, I saw an interesting thread on Reddit that I wanted to talk about. Uh, she's mm. not in Pitch Perfect. Um, no. She's in Girl Code. So there's this thread I saw on Reddit about is like basically like a theater etiquette question. And I found the responses fascinating because they're very heated on both sides. Um, So the scenario is this. It's the guy, his wife and his young child. They're going to see the Incredibles. It's opening day, like opening Friday day. They get their half hour early to get seats right in the middle. Great seats right in in the middle of the screen to watch a movie. Mm -hmm. Two minutes before the movie begins. And Usher comes over and says, hey, we've got this family of six here. Uh, There's no section with six seats all together. If you move over, they can all sit six seats together. Otherwise, they'd have to be split to either side of you. And the person is like, well, no, I got here early so I could get these good seats in the middle. Um, I don't want to move. That's why I got here early. How do you feel about that? What, What is the correct move there? Um. I think it's also I think it's a matter of who who is doing it too. In this case, because you said it's a family, I kind of feel like okay, move over three seats. Family, two families side by side. You're still relatively in the middle of the screen. You're going to be fine. Like have some fucking sympathy for this other family. Hmm, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't. Sorry. No, I know you wouldn't, but that's that's my point. Is I don't know if I would either, honestly. Um, but if it's a if the if the protagonist in the story is a is a family, it's a mother, father, whatever, mother, mother, and their child. You you get what these other people are going through. Just step aside. 
Um, it's the thing on the airplane, though. Like, would you switch seats with me so I can sit next to so and so? You know, that's I mean, different. I this... That's different because you're just in an airplane. You specifically got there early to Infinity get these War. good seats. Yeah, like I said, I had the same situation in Infinity War where someone asked me to switch seats. Mm. Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, maybe if it was like one parent and five very young children where they needed to be together. Or it was like someone who's like special needs or something. But no, if there's two parents, they can split up. That's my feeling. Interesting. Okay. You're not entitled to get the best seats and sit together, especially if you're showing up late on an opening weekend to a packed movie. Like you don't just get to be like, "Ooh, I just walked right in. And you have to give me seats." <laughs> part of me, part of me was like, it was like this modern theater thing where like I have an assigned seat. Yeah. Yeah. You, I've done, you can I've get done yourself assigned before, seats like, if you really want to sit together. I've done that before where I've gone to a movie and there's a person sitting in my assigned seat because they can't read, you know, a simple combination of like mm-hmm. letters and numbers and it doesn't really matter, but I'm still like, you know, that is my seat. So get your ass up and go. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Anyways, move, just move. I, I look forward to uh, people tweeting at me telling me I'm a horrible person. I'm sorry. I take movie theater scene very seriously. He wants good seats to show up early. Or get reserved seats. Yeah, I mean, you're an adult. You presumably have made an adult decision. I mean, I, I get that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, shall we talk about The Boy Next Door? Yes, please. Do you have an opening statement? Yeah, I mean, how can I put it? This movie's 90 minutes long. Is that it? And that's great. <laughs> no. Um, I mean, to me, this this movie felt like Tyler Perry doing a, a Lifetime version of something that briefly feels like Say Anything and then like morphs into Poison Ivy or Fatal Attraction or Swim Fan. Um, a lot of this movie, I felt like, fuck. I mean, it's a, it's kind of the usual story. You've seen this before where there's a flirtation or an illicit affair of some kind and a person's punished for it and then it becomes, well, somebody becomes like a, what do they call it? A bunny boiler. Um, a lot of this movie to me felt like it was like thrown together from attempts at different movies. I know it's very low budget. They shot it very quickly. Um, very short shooting schedule, a lot of pages crammed in each day. The acting level feels like it's to the quality of like a table read or a first rehearsal. Like if JLo did an interview where she's just like, I honestly thought this was the dry run. I I would not be shocked. Um, yeah, it it was, I enjoyed it. (laughs) It's a fucking terrible movie. It's ludicrous, bonkers, but um, it's also, it's, you know, whereas Ocean's 8 is just like a, a mediocre movie, a lifeless movie. Um, this is a bad movie. This is the movie you crack a few drinks and sit with your friends for. Um, and I was fascinated to, just a side note, read about how Rob Cohen, who's made some of the worst fucking movies in the last 20 years, got his start, which was basically as a reader. He is the guy who discovered the sting sitting in a pile of unproduced screenplays. And then all these years later, he makes the fucking boy next door for $4 million. That's Hollywood for you. Over to you. Yeah, I fucking hated this movie. Uh, I just, I found it execrable. It just has this like TV movie of the week morality tale quality to it. Like all artistry is suppressed in order to deliver like a really obvious regressive moral. Um, this movie is basically saying, hey, ladies, give your cheating husband a second chance. 
If you dare move on to someone younger and hotter, he'll try to murder your whole family and you'll deserve it. You hussy. Uh, I read reviews online or people are like, oh, I'm just enjoying this on a camp level. Uh, I, I wasn't feeling it. The acting is horrible, but not in an entertaining way, at least for me. I was just like, it was just a struggle to get through. Hmm. This be a fun one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, then, do you have any top moments? Uh, um, not really. I mean, I have a, I have three. Okay. What well, you, you go doing first there, like, Mixing yourself a drink over there? Yeah, sorry. Okay. Uh, and these are just really kind of pointless top moments because I didn't like the movie. Uh, number three, I had the scene where Brian Guzman beats the shit out of the school bully. Like, good, just goes totally overboard. Um, he would definitely go to jail for that. Oh yeah. He does not. He, he would not have a tense conversation of Chenoweth in you the vice principal's office. You afterwards. don't start slamming a dude's head into a locker, like breaking the locker, like, you know, warping the metal, fracturing the dude's skull and just be like, oh, I got to go talk to the vice principal now. No, you're going to jail, dude. Also, you're fucking like 19. Well, you should be getting a GED. You shouldn't yeah. be in high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he stresses like they never say nineteen. He says I'm almost twenty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, my number three moment is it's this says a lot about this fucking movie. It's five goddamn minutes into the movie. There is this terrible scene where J Lo is taking her kids the allergist. The fucking garage door won't open it. They're like wiggling it around, like trying to move this door. It sounds like a fucking hotel mattress bed springs because J Lo's this stupid kid's mom. And as she's trying to push this door, all of a sudden, like, fucking super teenage hunk Ryan Guzman shows up and, like, lifts like, the thing up. Like and, fucking Superman, yeah. Yeah, like, lifting a fucking car off her head. And he's just like, hey, can I fix that for you? And she's just kind of like, va 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 boom who are you? And then this weird, absurd, pale explosion of a sickly old guy stereotype motors up in a wheelchair with his fucking oxygen thing in his nose. And he's like, that's my nephew! Ah! And I just, like, erupted in laughter at how out of nowhere stupid this was i mean this old guy is probably a real old guy who looks like this but honestly if you told me it was johnny knoxville one of his like old man makeup things i'd believe it anyway that that was my okay it's this kind of movie huh moments all right uh my number two moment is just a scene where i guess they're like fixing a car or something it's near the beginning jayla's just like checking out ryan guzman as he fixes a car with her son um this was the moment in the movie where I was just like, oh, this is a TV movie. This I, I shouldn't expect any sort of kind of quality or subtlety or artistry or anything. This this is a movie that's rushing as quickly as possible into its high concept. It's not really interested in anything else. Like it's not really interested in being a movie. It's just interested in like portraying an idea. It was interested in a very lo-fi thrown together film that they hoped would make a profit. <laughs> um, my number two moment is an hour into the movie. There's like some dance, some generic dance, the fall fling JLo. Who's like the literature teacher at this high school. She is teaches classics the, the classics, <laughs> at high school. Yeah. The internet, the internet loves that part when we, when we get to it, but she's called into like unclog a fucking sink in the boys bathroom or whatever. She walks in, like, the lights are flickering, the sinks are overflowing. It's like a fucking horror movie. And written on the wall in massive letters and black paint, it just says, like, I fuck Claire Peterson. And then Ryan Guzman just struts out of the stall, and he's just like, 
hey, we need to talk. And it's like, <laughs> there's such a fucking clash of tones. Because like I said, the movie races into its quote unquote high concept. And then it just parks there. It doesn't even know what to do for 45 minutes. Well, it escalates too quickly. Like it doesn't, it has no sense of like building tension or anything. Like it's, I don't know. I was looking at the, uh, the screenwriter to this. I think her name's Barbara Curry. She's like a former like prosecutor. Yep. Like she like was a U.S. attorney. She's like Boston. the real shit. And it's like, maybe stick with your day job. You're probably doing better work there. Yeah. Rob Cohen, by the way, just hack extraordinaire. I mean, let me let me read you some of these fucking movies. Oh, they are well. Okay, so if you go back to okay, so I think two thousand is the real shit storm. I don't know. Let me but, just let me just give you the hits here. Okay, you've got Dragonheart, terrible yeah. fucking movie. Daylight, terrible movie. Ooh, Stallone, Rat Pack TV movie, terrible movie. The Skulls, terrible movie. The Fast and Furious, just blatant fucking point break ripoff. Triple uh, X, terrible movie. Uh, Stealth, one of the worst movies ever made. Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Empire, terrible movie. Alex Cross, Shitfest, The Boy Next Door, and then Hurricane Heist, which I've not seen, which I'm sure is just a piece of shit. How does this guy keep making movies? So that's like the only one of these you haven't seen. <laughs> So you're almost you're almost his number one fan. Like the the connection between these serial killings is you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like who's he, whose job is this guy taking? Like what other more talented person can't get a movie made because of this asshole? That's what I don't know. Yeah, I mean, in in just a handful of like TV things, he also directed a fucking Rammstein music video. Mm-hmm. What an asshole! And it's not too hoss, guys. No. Don't get your hopes up. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's talk about this fucking movie. I mean, I don't do you, know. Do you, do you have any... a number one? Do you have a number oh. one moment? Uh, first edition of the Iliad, <laughs> just because it's so fucking stupid. Watching these two idiots like geek out okay. over classics. It's the first edition yes, of the that's... Iliad, a poem that was told through oral tradition. Yeah, it's you know three thousand year old book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, uh, that's that's the moment that the internet fucking loved from the trailer. Um, I wanted to pick that one, but I thought it'd be too obvious. My number one. There's a fucking ridiculous moment where after the boy next door has been over after she's like fucked him because she fucks him. Oh, yeah, they fuck. Um, And he's over and her like estranged, like like her strained husband, ex-husband. Estranged. Estranged, sorry. uh, John fucking Corbett's there. I hate John Corbett and her shitty son I hate. And there's this tense moment where she's like, oh, God. And there's some bad innuendo from the boy next door because he's fucking 19. And I love then, your mom's cookies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you didn't get any rain where you guys were? It was, sure got wet here. Um, she Word picks play. up a cookie that, that he's half eaten and she sniffs it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Like, is she trying to sniff like his scent or I don't know? So possibly. But if you remember from the first quote unquote scene. Um, Chenoweth is reading back John Corbett's emails to his secretary in which he loves the fact that his secretary that he fucked smells like cookies. Mm. Okay. Yeah. yeah black that. So she's, that there's this horrible, like you said, there's this horrible, bad moralizing where it's like, she's going down. She feels as if she's going down the John Corbett road, which is garbage. Um, so complaints. I mean, for me, the whole movie, I don't know. I just, I just, it's not even a movie to me. It's just a blunt force instrument. 
Uh, do you have any overarching complaints or? I think that the the premise would seem to imply not that, that just that she begins a relationship with like a younger man is that presumably the movie wants you to feel as much as possible that it's a minor that she has a relationship with. There are several points in the movie where she could de-escalate things by going to the police or whatever, but she doesn't. Yeah. If she's afraid that she'll lose everything she has, which is, I don't think the case though. I, you know, it's hard to say what a victim is feeling in their situation, but you know, it's, they, they don't want to deal. They don't even want, there's no balls. It's there's no teeth. They don't want to deal with any of this kind of stuff, especially to have like primarily gender. They don't want to have her do like a Mary Kay Letourneau thing. So they make the goose like, you know, 19, almost 20. And you get a lot of like ass cleavage from him and their like lovemaking scenes. And then it's very weird because he later fucks an actual high school girl who is like porno naked. Oh, I have some thoughts about that scene that we'll get to later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's talk about this movie. Just right from the opening, it says the boy next door in the title card. And it has this like weird, like black like white black screen white sketch like drawing of two houses behind it on the title card like why like we got it there's two houses next to each other why is that in the title card like we couldn't tell it's really really weird it's also a blumhouse movie yeah it's a blumhouse production yeah this is this movie sadly made like 10 times its budget back which is just a shame I mean, it's a it's a pathetic. I mean, I guess you could say that sooner or later this enabled uh, Get Out to be created, so there's that. But I don't really like Jason Blum. Um, the movie starts with these terrible voiceovers to catch you up with where we are in the plot. Like this, like half of John Corbett is ADR, and it just feels so. It's all these like weird quick cuts of them like arguing and he leaves and she goes in the room and cries we're just supposed to get like hey guys uh marital discord you know he cheated oh isn't there randomly like a scene in a barn there that you were like what the fuck is that barn about and then you find out at the end oh well yeah there you see the barn okay so that's the barn next to her her friend's house that's what that is yeah okay. yeah yeah, yeah, I don't know why they were walking in the barn. I, I, I'm just like, what a ridiculous fucking movie. There's like this, somebody, some producer owned a barn, so they just filmed some coverage there. Real quick. Shot in 23 days. Is this the worst that Chris and Chenoweth has ever slummed in a movie? Yes. I was going to say earlier, because I know Chenoweth and Sarah Paulson originally from Aaron Sorkin joints, mm-hmm. I always think, like, if you're going to give me a Sarah Paulson, regardless of the role, I'm going to say, can we talk about Chris and Chenoweth instead? Um, Chenoweth is just, she's just owning the sassy best friend role in this movie as much as anyone can in this movie. There's really not much there. Yeah. Also, it's funny when they stand side by side because JLo is no joke, no, no hyperbole, literally a two full feet taller than Chenoweth. Is JLo tall? I don't know if she's tall or if Chenoweth is only like four and a half feet tall. Hmm. Yeah, it could be either. I don't know. I can't say I'm a particular fan of JLo. Um, she was good and out of sight and then decided to stop being a real serious actor. And I feel like she hasn't been good since then. Mm-hmm. It's so it's hard to for half the movies that Jenny from the block has done. And the fact that she was fucking Karen Cisco 
it's hard to watch her waffling back and forth about whether or not she should leave her utterly shitty husband. She's five four and a half. J Lo or Chenoweth? J Lo. Okay. Kristen Chenoweth must be fucking tiny. Yeah. Four eleven. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. All right. Um, she should have to really look up to you. Yeah. So anyway, it's quickly established that uh, her husband was sleeping around all over the place. J-Law found out. I guess the husband has moved out, but like J-Lo doesn't want to move. J-Law. Yeah, I know. J-Lo doesn't want to move on because reasons. I don't know. That's going to be the, the whole story here is her learning to move on, but then not because uh, that's not what moms do, apparently. The kid who plays her teenage son, Kevin, I just hated this kid from from the moment he first appeared on screen. He's I hate, hate his voice. I hate I, I hate a lot of things in this movie, but something about his voice, I honestly thought this 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 kid was like dubbed. Hmm. Um, like he comes off to me as like an adult who's trapped in the body of a teenager who's somehow playing a character who's even younger than that. Um so we see like some kind of like birthday scene where like the estranged husband and wife have come together for this kid's birthday. John Corbett's built his son like a super nerdy gaming computer. LOL. I bought his son a gaming computer. I don't know if he built it. Well, he claims he built it. Like that's what, in an Amazon it. shopping cart. For perhaps, but like later, like they can do some programs together or something like real father and son's shit. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Corbett. May or may not be fucking the chick in San Francisco. So why is he in L.A. and his secretary is in San Francisco? It's not not there. Yeah. I don't like John Corbett. No, I don't like John Corbett at all, ever. But he's playing like your typical like Billy Campbell role here. I felt like how were John Corbett and Chris Noth like the two dudes that Carrie was supposed to choose between on Sex and the City? I just don't get that show. Mr. Big is totally in the mafia, right? No, he wants you to think he's in the mafia. I mean, but like, isn't that like your your cover? Like, oh, I'm in construction. I'm in real estate development. I don't know. I mean, oh, that's even theoretically, worse. yeah. But <laughs> the guy who just wants you to think he's in the mafia, <laughs> like he's fucking Scaramucci or something. Uh, anyways, you get the scene where J Lo's taking the kid to the allergist. Uh, spoiler: They will never go to the allergist because this kid's laughable fucking uh, uh, issues that he's allergic he's to. Chekhov's Epi- EpiPen, unlike fucking Hereditary, where uh, a real, an EpiPen would come in handy in that movie, let's put it that way. I, I would love. I don't know why they had no fucking EpiPens in that movie. I would love to see this kid get his head cut off. Hmm. I feel like you hate this kid more than you hate the Ryan Guzman character. Uh, I appreciate the attempts that Ryan Guzman, the actor, attempts to carry this role. I don't, I don't know if I appreciate it. I can't stand the accent that he's doing. I, he does not seem like a real person to me. He's Is he doing an accent or is he just talking like Ryan Guzman? Is he doing I, like a Ryan Guzman impression? I'm not sure. I don't know if that's would how you, he talks normally. Would you say that his accent is hurt or injured? I think it's injured. Okay. Um so the It's just a little off. too like New York to me. Okay. The garage door's off the track. Um I don't know the garage doors had clutches. But they do. They do. Um, 
the teenage son is like immediately like in love of hanging out with cool guy Ryan Guzman. You know, seeing like they're just two cool bros like strutting down the hardware store. But the movie uh, that does nothing to really earn that, it just tells you that basically. Like this is not a movie that wants to I don't know tell tell a story through like events that happen. It just kind of it's just like we're doing this now. Oh look, they're best friends. Well, because there's no it's like, like it's so not, there's no time. It's not interested in earning anything, you know. There's no point where he like instills confidence in this kid and is like, hey, I'm a cool guy and I think you're a pretty cool kid and therefore we can be buds and therefore you can have some confidence. No. Mm-hmm. Um so the goose like is almost 20, he tells us because of an incident, he lost some time. So he's about to finish high school, where we find out J Lo teaches. Um again, why is he not getting a GID GED? This hardware store is like goddamn hell on earth for this teenage boy because he can't find anything and then on top of it the blonde girl that he's crazy about and can't even think when he's around her she works there um and then this skate punk who's like the 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 bully who looks like ed sheeran like comes well, in immediately all, zero on this how kid. is this the, the school bully is yeah guy dude he looks like ed sheeran he's like a skater like what what school are you store, going to where this guy's the bully? Why does the hardware store sell skateboard stuff? Sell so skateboard stuff and like stuff to fix the clutch on your garage door opener. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so this kid like walks in and just immediately starts like bullying um, the the nerd Kevin. Um, so they call him the Wiz because he pissed himself once in a park. No, that's, um, that's not why they call him the Wiz. Do you know why they call him the Wiz? Because um, what's his name? Produced the Wiz. Rob Cohen is a producer on the Wiz back in 1978. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah which which later on you know that 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 factoid is true because later on Ed Sheeran fucking motherfucker here will explain to us what the Wiz is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just in case he didn't know. As if you're like, oh shit! I love the boy next door so much. I'm just gonna hop on Amazon Prime and order every move we referenced in a minute. Um. So we get a scene where I don't know if they're like even attempting humor or if it's accidental. JLo's explaining the Wiz story about how her son pissed himself in a park in front of a bunch of kids as he's ser- as she's serving lemonade. None, none of this people. is intentional humor at all. I'm telling you. As she's serving lemonade. Um so Guzman is he's the boy next door because his it's uncle, but I guess it's like it's great uncle, because this guy's like I don't know, 95 years and like three world wars older than the goose um, is having. Look, bone I, I can't have you call him the goose through this whole podcast. Okay. What are you going to call him? Brian Gooseman. You got to okay, earn that nickname. Interesting. I would love if Brian Gooseman called in right now and just like did a bro nod to you. And it's just like, let me earn your respect. Mm. Keep and he did some like, high kicks. Careful you don't. Injure yourself, Ryan Guzman. <laughs> um, yeah, so the Ryan Guzman, Mr. Ryan Guzman, thespian, is uh, moving in next door. He's going to take care of this like great uncle who's getting a um, bone marrow transplant. I should say, I really don't want to go like scene by scene through this movie because I hate okay. it. Um, anyways, the the gist of the movie, the deal is that this. This dude's going to like go in the hospital for a while. He's just going to be gone for a long time. So he won't be around during the movie. Um, mm-hmm. There is a scene where 
like of course like there's a bunch of open windows on this side of the house so j lo can uh watch this dude constantly and kind of like smile oh look at that good guys being nice from to her, his grandpa there from her bedroom into mm-hmm. everyone else's bedroom in that house yeah ryan guzman the next day he's got one of those tank tops on that's like way ripped down the side i don't really know what the point of those tank tops are like do they show, come like show that, that you're the show that you're pretty ripped underneath the tank top i guess yeah so she's checking him out and getting all hot and bothered, and he's smiling. Uh, I guess this passes for you know flirtation here. They keep having this dude over for dinner over and over again. Um, you know what I really want to talk about though is the fucking blind date that she goes on. Can I just say real quick too that when the the first edition of the Iliad thing, when we find out that that J Lo teaches a literature class at the high school, that she teaches the classics. Mm-hmm. The son informs Ryan or Mr. Ryan Guzman that the nickname that all the kids have for her is the Crusher. Okay. For, for no fucking reason. Yeah, let's yeah. talk about the date that they go on into with a bunch of TV actors. It's weird because it cuts the night and it's like raining and she's like for some reason her hair is all wet. I guess she just got out of the shower and she's wearing like this tiny little negligee thing while putting on heels. And she's checking herself out in the mirror. But, like, she's still going to go on a date and come back home later. Uh, this is where she's checking out Ryan Guzman and we get, like, the ass shot from him. Uh, mm-hmm. And he notices that she's watching. And, and then she peeks out anyways to kind of let him see that she's watching. He does, like, a butt dimple wink at her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then she, she goes this blind date. It's, like, Christian Chenoweth. And I don't know if, like, it's a double blind date or if, like, she's already dating the other dude and this is just like the extra friend or something. I don't know, but mm-hmm. her date, JLo's date here. What a colossal asshole. This guy is mm-hmm. like, this guy might be worse than Ryan Guzman. He's just a complete shithead. Um, yeah. Channel by the way, channel three rules for their first date is number one, you laugh a lot. Number two, you take off your wedding ring. Number three, you give him head. Mm-hmm. Which is like, ha, 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 that's ridiculous. And then you meet this piece of shit who just does a fucking takedown on teachers, A, teachers, B, teachers who would, like, teach the classics, whatever that is, and C, anyone who's not pushing, like, vocational bullshit on, like, America's Next Workforce. Why are you teaching them the classics? What's the point of that? They should be getting prepared to get jobs. And, like, you can tell she's feeling insulted, but she's trying to, like, defend herself, and she kind of, like, you know throws a some shade back at him and he just like stares her down like i am i'm glad that i'm antagonizing you like this is how our relationship would be it would be you submitting to me like this dude is just basically screaming i will rape you he's a real he's a real maga piece of shit mm-hmm. he, he only breaks eye contact with her at one point to blatantly check out the waitress's cleavage yeah at yeah. this japanese restaurant where they're eating soup I mean, I, what is the purpose of this guy in the movie, I guess? Like, what what are we trying to say with this? Like, don't date, I guess, you know? Don't go out on dates uh, or it'll be this guy. Maybe, don't, maybe your cheating husband isn't so bad. I mean, this guy's a fucking sociopath. Mm-hmm. Oh, and her friend backs her up not one bit. Her friend's just trying to, like, laugh everything off, yeah, and, like, diffuse tension, even though this guy seems to thrive on it. He wants it to be tense so he can like dominate her. It's like the darkest possible version of the double date scene from when Harry met Sally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, well, how does it end? How does she get back at him? 
Oh, she mentions J.K. Rowling as a classics major, and she's a billionaire. It's just, ah, I don't, fuck this guy. I just wanted somebody to punch this guy. Like, pointing out someone that's rich that's a classics major is like, I feel like you're, you shouldn't be engaging him on his stupid terms, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, then she goes home and fucks Ryan Guzman. Yeah. After having a glass of wine. Uh, she has to come over and help him because he has the worst line ever, which is that he defrosted a chicken in the microwave and is it edible now? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they, they go over and she fucks him. And there's a lot of um, like no, no, no's. She, she says stop. no like a few dozen times in this uh, this sex scene. It's like... I don't know, this whole movie is really fucking uncomfortable to me. I just, I, that's why I, I did not enjoy it. Like it just seems to come from like having an ugly place. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're trying to, I mean, she's a little bit, she's drunk. She's saying no a his, lot. Her hands on his abs. Yeah. Like feel that. Let me love you. Uh, he's seemingly like really obsessed with like giving her pleasure, which is creepier when you know what kind of character he is. Like he's like, like rubbing her clit at one point. Um, there's like this B movie seductive drug den music playing throughout all of this. Um, eventually, she pushes his pants down. You get that Ryan Guzman ass cleavage. Uh, yeah. Also, there's a camera in the room. So. Oh yeah, he's filming this for later, of course. Which is a hell of a setup, just in case you might like get the milf next door over. Well, seeming he's planned all this, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why that he's so obsessed, but he is. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, she wakes up the next morning and she's just like, oh, God, that was a huge mistake. You know, tries to get out of there and he's immediately like, oh, I made you breakfast. I'm like carrying in the tray, uh, you know, so you can eat on my made bed because he didn't sleep under the covers. And he's yeah. re- really disappointed that she just wants to get out of there and she says it's a mistake and. He's doing a whole lot of like grabbing her by the shoulders and pushing her against walls to tell her how this is real. And eventually he gets really butthurt and punches a wall because she's like, you know, didn't mean anything. Like he's Andy Bernard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to explain to him like <laughs> there's only a few truth bombs where she was just like, listen, I was vulnerable. I was also not myself. You have forced remember- yourself on me. Yeah. Yeah, well, like, whenever she kept saying no, 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 no the night before, he kept, like, remixing it into, like, no judgments. I just... Gross. So gross. So that's when... Because the kid and the dad are away on a camping trip, like a father-son camping trip. Dad drives, like, this asshole Dodge Challenger that's, like, purple and black. Yeah. Purple. Yeah. So, and then it's awkward because uh, this dude comes over. Like she's like super stressed talking to the dad and her kid. And then he comes over and she like, she just drops an entire apple pie on the ground. RIP that apple pie, man. She also made a complete dinner and an apple pie just because these assholes came home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then she's like really freaked out because he's like pretending to be all like chummy with her son and the dad and making jokes about, Oh, it was wet here last night and all that. Like, uh, it's like the movie doesn't really know what to do with this other than just like keep escalating it though. Well, it's like, it's just bad 19 year old, like trailer innuendo. Uh, there's a lot of like serious scenes where like JLo and John Corbett will take the trash out together and talk about being in limbo and like, Hey, Hey, 
because I made a mistake. Don't like throw our marriage away because I made some mistakes. It's like, I don't give a fuck about this relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, A lot of like whenever they have these not really like reconciliation scenes, but attempts at it. Like the boy next door, of course, is watching from next door, like fuming. Um, And he the next day at school, it's like the first day of school and he marches into class. He's like somehow like tricked the principal into placing him in this class. We'll find out later, but like by hacking her computer and like sending an email from her, like requesting this guy join her junior level class. He marches in and like starts fucking like quoting. uh, I can't remember what the quote is, but like what a fucking dork. I'm sorry. I feel like I were to laugh at this idiot. Also, he is dressed in a cool guy cardigan and a tie. He looks like he's the like he looks like he's teacher. Yeah, he looks like the hip new teacher who probably fucks his teenage students, not the teenage student who fucks his teacher. Yeah, he looks like he's 30 years old in this. He, uh, he never once, like, they, I don't know how old the kid who's playing her son is in real life, but that kid looks way younger than this guy. Yeah. I hate that kid. Um, yeah, so he takes advantage of the friendship that he has with the kid, takes him out shooting, basically does a dumb monologue where he like poisons the kid against his dad by just pointing out like I hey, feel like dad. if I was this kid I'd be like oh this guy's a fucking weirdo creep yeah the signs are there mm-hmm. <laughs> the signs are 100,000% there it's like, this kid just so desperate for like male attention um yeah uh, there's a pretty hilarious moment where the dad is super excited because the kid's taking a computer class too and the kid's like no fuck you I dropped it I'm doing boxing instead it's just like you're not boxing shit kid your future might be like in unboxing like unboxing videos or something yeah and then the, him and the dad get in a big argument he's like oh you're not a boxer you're not, you're not into that and you're just like how would you know you're not my toddler um, and he just yells and screams at him you left us you left us that not what you're doing there whatever mm-hmm. that is whatever that thing is like that's Way better than what this kid is doing with his voice. <laughs> I'd cast you in this role. Um, oh, this, there's a this kid is also uh, in the Hunger Games. I think he's the uh, District 3 boy. He gets a knife to his back when uh, J-Law is grabbing uh, her kit there at the... What do they call that? The, uh, the bloodbath. You've, you've purposely invited in the beast. Now we're really going to have the J-Lo, J-Law. Mm, I know. <laughs> um... There's a really terrible scene where the Noah, the boy next door, played by Ryan Guzman, Mr. Ryan Guzman, is like teaching Noah. Noah Sanborn? I don't know. It's a bad name. It's Mm -hmm. a ridiculous name. I mean, kudos to to J Lo as producer being like, I would like to hire another Latino to be like prominent role in this movie, this terrible movie that I'm doing. Um, but whatever. He's teaching the kid to box, kind of, at school, like in the gym. Um, but do you think he he's like intentionally getting this kid all worked up? So he like, I don't know. He like goes into anaphylactic shock or something. He's I don't so know, mad about his dad. Be, he seems to be genuinely freaking out when the kid does. Um, so you get a wide shot where you get a couple other kids in the background. Because this movie has a serious like uh, deficit of extras. And then after that, the rest of the scene is shot so bizarrely because they can't show that there's nobody else in this this sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he's giving this kid shit. See, I, just, like, I was just wondering out. if he arranged all this to like look like a hero ultimately or something. Well, that's the problem is that the whole ending is based on his feeling that he's a hero, which is I presume would be set up here, but it's not really set up here because it's not like anyone ever says to him specifically, "Hey, Noah Sanborn, the boy next door, you're a hero." Because oh, he he doesn't really tell her about it, like 
he mentions it to her later, but it's like after the fact. Like, yeah. there is no scene where he like gets his like heroic moment where people congratulate him, and you know she has to like deal with the with that aspect. You know, it's like he just kind of mentions it later, like all bratty, like oh, I saved your kid's life. Which, if the movie really wanted to touch on those places, would have been smart because obviously, like when your abuser can't control you anymore, they control how the world sees you, and that would have been a great opportunity for like. You know, obviously, I'm the hero. Everyone feels that. If you don't, there's something wrong with you. Um, yeah, so, like, the kid freaks out. He has an anaphylactic shock. He has to go run and get him the EpiPen. And he's, like, screaming out this weird acting overdrive. Like, what do I do with it? What do I do with it? And you get the ADR. Somebody else shove it in the leg. It's terrible. <laughs> it's so terrible. And you get the scene where he eventually will send her flowers. There's no note. So she calls John Corbin. It's like, thanks for the flowers. And he's like, what flowers? And she's like, fuck. Yeah. Ah, fucking EpiPen. Also, Ryan Guzman goes back to the uh, kickboxing bag. Well, this is this is what I'm curious about. So, the next real scene after the whole she confronts him, like you know, don't be a creep, um, mm-hmm. don't send me flowers. The kid, go Kevin, her son, goes to this hardware store, like all kind of psyched up to go ask this girl out to like a movie or I can't remember what. Um, like juiced up on his manliness. Yeah. yeah. She's like, oh, I can't. And he's like, oh, I'm sad. I'm going to walk away. She's like, but I don't have anyone taking me to like fall fling or whatever. And she's like, oh, that's great. And like the weird thing is that in the background, Ryan Guzman shows up and like she kind of looks at Ryan Guzman and Ryan Guzman nods at her. And it just made me think like he doesn't nod. He like raises his eyebrows. And it's like, is she doing this just for Ryan Guzman? So this is the second time that he is like, like this chick is given this shitty kid, Kevin, like the coldest of shoulders because I mean, look at her, look at him. And then like Ryan Guzman walks up and just like this handsome guy nod. Like he's like fucking Maeve doing the robot Wi-Fi to her. And then she like changes. Yeah. I don't know what weird hold he has over hardware. Store well, Cause Girl. he's like, she's just going to be like a booty call for him. Like a little bit later here. And it doesn't really seem like they set that up at all. Like out of nowhere, she's just like this guy's like revenge fuck, like to to show her off, like in his bedroom window to J Lo, J Lo. Yeah, Um, and it's like what? Like, was she only dating the son out of some weird like uh, I don't know like arrangement that she had with Ryan Guzman? Like, like because when um so they go to like this like fall fling or whatever, and the it's this girl Allie, the hardware chick girl who comes over and says, Hey, um, the, the bathroom slutting or whatever the boys bathroom slutting to like send JLo in there to have her confrontation with Ryan Guzman. It's like, were they planning all this for some reason? And she just decided like, I will be evil with this crazy psychopath. Again, I feel like there's probably even as little time as they had, there's probably a bunch of deleted scenes or like a different bend of this plot went in at one point. Also, they only had like nine speaking parts. So it well, this, had to be this girl. This yeah, girl, Allie, doesn't really seem like a, a real person who would be like, oh, yes, I will date this uh, younger kid just because I, I'm a, I'm attracted to you, but I'll date him for you. And then I'll just come over and be like a sex toy for you and then disappear from the movie. Like, it doesn't really make it like I don't think she's like a real person, I guess. No, of course not. Well, she's some kind of weird fantasy thing. But like, do you did you recognize her immediately in the bedroom? No, I did not. I was like, oh, shit, was that supposed to be the hardware store girl? Oh, 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 yeah. So like I was like, 
it was a blonde girl. So I'm like, is that supposed to be her? I I went back and looked. Uh, I like looked at the IMDb cast list. I was like, is there another blonde girl in the movie? Am I missing something? Like it didn't make sense to me. And it's like, why would that be the same girl who just went to the dance with this other kid? Because mm-hmm. they they've yeah. done nothing to establish that like she was secretly into the the other guy the whole time. Like I don't know. It was just very strange. Well, let's come back to that sex scene in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um. At one point, J-Lo goes on a date with Corbett. He comes back because he's had too much to drink after he's, like, grabbed at her ass. And she's just like, no, no, not right now. So he's staying over on the couch. Uh, was it even a point. date? Was it just dinner? Or I don't know. When you're married, though, when yeah, you're trying sure. to get back together, I'm sure it's all dates. But, like, the boy next door in his room sees that that stupid purple charger is still parked outside. And he flips out like he's the fucking, uh, what's his name, from uh, American Beauty. But also mm-hmm. while having, like, hot sex flashbacks and, like, the soundtrack of J-Lo moans. Oh, he's, like, grinding on his pillow at this point, isn't he? Is this, is this when he does that? Yeah, yeah. He's losing his goddamn he's, mind. He's literally fucking his pillow, I'm pretty sure. Like, he's, like... He's like a dog in heat, just humping that thing. And then, then you have like you get to the uh, the fight scene with the bully, where the bully's like fucking with Kevin, and Kevin well, briefly stands up for himself. But before that, it's like the next day after John Corbett leaves, and this dude just like drives up in his truck. He's super angry. He's yelling at her. He's calling her a whore and all this shit. His, the kid comes out. Kevin is like, "What's going on, mom?" And this guy like storms off in his car, and she's like, "I don't want you hanging out with that guy." And he takes his side. What? Briefly, he will not again after this. Like, or like, he's immediately back on his mom's side. Immediately, also, you notice he's wearing no one's wearing this like leather jacket and tie. And the next scene, he's not wearing that. And then later on, he will be wearing that leather jacket and tie again. No, he's got a layer, I mean, you know. It's it's a poorly put together movie. Um, yeah. So you get the the bully fight scene. Like Noah comes out of fucking nowhere. Like he's like Logan about to he, pop his claws and murder this kid. He beats the shit out of this guy, smashes his head into a locker multiple times, pushes and throws down the vice principal. Uh, has to be restrained by, I assume it's like the gym coach or something, you know. He'd be out of here. He'd be in fucking jail. I'm sorry. You don't just get called to the principal's office for that. But his film burns are so bad. Again, the, uh, you know, The Wiz was a remake of The Wizard of Oz of an African-American cast. And it's on TCM last night. Also, Wizards of Waverly Place is on the next night. It's like, what the fuck? This script is terrible. Yeah, so he's dragged into Chenoweth's office. She's the vice principal to have a conversation. Um, Like you mentioned, he knocked her down. He half murdered Ed Sheeran. The gym coach had to drag him off. And for some reason, he's alone in growly mode. Mm -hmm. With the vice principal, who's again, as you've established, only four foot eleven. And this scene basically exists for him to just be incredibly insulting and demeaning to her and threaten her with violence and then leave. And and poor Chenoweth, you know, who's done a variety. Why is she not calling the cops? But this poor actor is like, so I was looking at your files and he's like, Why? And she's like, I'm the vice principal. It's my job. And it's yeah. like, oh, you you poor actor like why do you have to do this i know uh, adr she's like you're expelled eventually uh yeah and then then it's a dance um and that's right. i don't know this girl is like just decided to join ryan guzman's like evil plot for some reason she's like helped arrange or at least like point uh j-lo here to the bathroom it's very strange i don't understand it well she she briefly 
he's written again on a huge graffiti on the wall. Like I fuck Claire Peterson um, in this horror movie. Cause the, the, the fall fling, by the way, which has like seven people there is shot. Like the uh, Nirvana smells like teen spirit video. Mm. Oh. Um, she never cleans that graffiti. She's not afraid of the, he, he said, she said nature of it. Who do you think they're going to believe? She says to him, it's like, okay, then there's no, there's no tension to this movie. There's no stakes. Like, let's just all go home. It, it just, it doesn't know how to, to build. It just ratchets way too high. And then it's like, oh shit, what do we do? But like when this girl, she's like, she seems to be genuinely glad to see like the sun here, but then she turns to JLo and she has this like really evil look on her face. And she's just like, oh, the uh, boy's bathroom is clogged or something. It looks like she knows that she's up to something when she says this, like I don't, yeah. maybe they're deleted scenes or something. I just laughed my ass off that the script is so lazy that, of course, fucking J-Lo, the classics teacher, is going to go in the mm-hmm. boys' bathroom and unclog this during a dance. Yeah. So this guy just assaults her some more in the bathroom. Um, she telegraphs, like the biggest telegraph, like knee to the balls of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when later that night, she's trying to go to sleep. There's a loud noise in the neighborhood. She looks out her window the music's coming from Noah's room where all the windows are open, all the lights are on, and he's got this totally naked blonde girl, the hardware store girl, who is a minor, okay, because he's almost 20. She does this thing where she essentially, like, runs at him from the other side of the room to she's just, fully, like... fully naked, yeah. Like, porno naked to just, like, come and, like, suck his dick while he stares out the window to J-Lo, making this very calm, evil face while he's getting his dick sucked. Yeah, this is clearly just, like, to show her up or whatever you know well it's like i was all about like going down on you and fingering you and it was super creepy and now i'm just getting like a utterly passionless blowjob and like the girls you can't see shaft or anything but the girl's body motions it's telegraphed that she's definitely like kissing the head of it and then like going lower oh you're really analyzing it's that. weird <laughs> i mean i have eyeballs i can see the screen <laughs> i i mean i i, I realize I, I know the general geography of of the the, the material mm-hmm. there I realize this guy's a psychopath and whatnot, so obviously nothing he does is going to make sense. But like, if you're perfectly capable of uh, winning the "quote unquote" hottest girl in school, according to Kevin, like, why are you so goddamn obsessed with J Lo? I don't know. I would still argue that maybe winning the hottest girl in school was not that big of a deal if she's 16 and you're almost 20. Yeah, I don't know. And this is when he's he's. This is all one night, I think, too. Like, it's a really long night. But eventually, um, he must sneak back to the school after, like, having sex with this girl to, like, sabotage her room by putting up all these uh, printouts. Classroom, yeah. Of uh, the two of them having sex. Like, this, like, printout uh, from the video. It's, like, screen cap of them in flagrante delicto. I wanted to point this out, too. So, you see the outside of her classroom earlier. What looks like it's an interior hallway because I think they probably shot it at night. Um, and then in this scene, you discover that like the outside of her classroom is like literally outside. It's yeah, uh, it's a California high school. Yeah. yeah, it's a California high school, and it's like it's pretty funny because they had to cram so much stuff in. But yeah, the kids are all waiting outside. She comes this is, in. This scene is supposed to be tense as she's like turning off the printer, trying to pick up all this trash the problem is it looks like way too many printouts for one person to ever clean up in like less than like 20 minutes you know yeah seemingly they stood out there for five minutes waiting and she's like frantically trying to stuff all this stuff in a trash can oh, and this pretentious shitball has written things like 
once more I must bring light to the darkness on her blackboard. I, I think that might just be her. I'm not sure. It could just oh. be for her on teaching. I mean, it's an Oedipus quote. I don't know. Even though she's clearly teaching the Iliad? Well, she doesn't erase it, I guess. Hmm. Okay. Oh, man. Yeah, the vice principal gives her a talking to. Uh, it's like somebody saw she... her getting physical with uh, Ryan Guzman. Well, it's very weird because he says something to her like, I'm not questioning your integrity here, but I am questioning your behavior. And I wrote in my notes, and thus your integrity. Yeah, I know. I mean, I guess it's like she can't tell because she'd get in trouble at her job. It's basically, but, it's the theoretical Ezra situation. Like they got together before school started. I don't know. But but the difference is, it is on paper. It is it is it is law. He is an adult. I mean, he's her student, so there are you know different laws about that. I mean, I I, I can see why you'd be reluctant to say something, but at a certain point, this guy's getting so violent. I mean, he's just like regularly like groping and assaulting her. Like, well, she's also super worried that she will damage the tenuous fabric that she has with her ex husband. Also, I just noticed that my um, autocorrect in my notes kept changing his name to Noah Sunburn. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a terrible scene where you find out that the boy next door has cut the dad's brakes. Well, he's, he's, taking... he's done something to like. You know, rig the brakes so they won't work. Yeah, he's taking the kid out for a ride to like teach him how to drive in his um his purple this charger. When the kid has to have like another bratty moment where he's driving way too fast on a windy road, and and that's just like slow down, slow down. And he's just like you left us, you left us, over and over again. Yeah, nine months. Did you see what uh, I did to mom? So. They're home later when she gets home. She sees that the car's fucked up. She freaks out. She goes in to check on them. Corbin and the kid are there, like like having a beer, watching racing or whatever. And she's like, Woo, thank God. And then like she comes around the corner and like the boy next door is like, BT dubs, I'm here too. Yeah, yeah. Well they the dad lies and says, like, oh, it's just a fender bender, like to I don't know, protect the kid or whatever. Driving like an asshole. I I would be more angry at this kid if I was the dad. Well, I mean, I guess the dad's just like, I will let anything go because I'm trying to get back with your mom. But like, you got to learn a fucking lesson, man. You can't treat a car like it's just some petty thing that you can like drive dangerously because you're pissed off. Like, well, here's the thing, though. There's that aspect of it. Eventually, they have to have a conversation. He's got to realize there was something wrong with the brakes. I don't think as much as I dislike this kid, Kevin, I have to believe him when he said. By the way, Dad, I was stomping on the brakes as hard as humanly possible. I don't think the dad disbelieves him on that. Okay, I, I think I it's guess, just more I, like I took he more... shouldn't have been driving that fast to begin with. Like, true, driving's responsibility a little bit. He's trying not to freak out J Lo. Yeah, yeah not but, so much just protecting the stupid son. But it sounds like they're like that was like a bonding moment for them or something, or like they hug afterwards because the kids yeah, all scared. They definitely hug and I would have been like, well, I'm glad we're not dead, but you're never driving again until you're 18. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to the cops. Mm-hmm. So JLo, JLo has to spend way too much time in the kitchen for all the other shit she does. So from this, she immediately goes to putting away groceries. This is when the boy next door lets himself in the kitchen and to assault her again, just around the corner from her like husband and son. Um, it's only funny to me because there's a moment where as, as the boy next door is walking in the kitchen, Corbett's talking to the TV and he says to the son, look at these clowns. 
And I was just like, <laughs> look at all of you clowns. Um, and that's when he, he mentions that, you know, or she's like, oh my God, you took pictures. He's like, ah, video actually. And it's like, okay, now we have our next obstacle she, to overcome. I think she basically has to agree to like come see him that night. Right. Is that what yeah, goes on there? Yeah. Yeah. Like I'll I mean, say something, relishing. I'll say something to your son and and husband right now, unless you agree to come over later tonight. Well, he's relishing the power that he's like feeling her up in the mm-hmm. kitchen. Because I mean, I, I think I saw something of Jayla where she said like the filming, the lovemaking scene. I can't believe I said lovemaking. Um, is like was very awkward for her because I can imagine. there was no body doubles. Yeah. The two of them and there's a point where like mr ryan guzman thespian is seriously in like a honk honk position with jennifer lopez um so yeah i bet this was super weird also the pictures are all like like black and white doggy style stills <laughs> which is just extra lurid for these two yeah, so she finally tells christian chenoweth about this thing and how he's like basically blackmailing her um so oh, they so, so when he goes she goes to see him i just have to say the movie almost got interesting for a minute there when she finally asks him, asshole, what is your yeah. fucking plan? What, what's the end game here, you idiot? Yeah, I mean... Like, he doesn't really have one. No, no. His, his plan just, is basically like, you will be stuck with me as my like sex slave forever. Yeah. Well, he starts going into this whole like terrible, like, well, the video could hurt you. But I really see it more as a promise between the two of us, a promise of a better life. And finally, she like smacks the shit out of him and leaves. And then she goes and talks to the the Chenoweth. Yeah, and so they come up with a little ruse where Christian Chenoweth is going to drive her car home, and so he's going to follow the car, not knowing that he's not following J Lo. And meanwhile, J Lo is going to rush back home and like search his place next door. And she eventually finds like this crazy dungeon like stalker dungeon with all this like shit on the walls all these pictures of her and she finds the video she deletes the file from the computer this whole plan by the way seemed i mean i guess it panned out kind of not for christian chenoweth but like if somebody says they've got video of you i guess in like the modern era like it's Mm -hmm. not like there's some like oh i'm gonna go find the tape and and destroy it like no they've probably got it like in the cloud like you're just good fucking luck, basically. You know? Have you not heard of Dropbox? Yeah, yeah. It's like or, just... I miss the trope of like if anything ever happens to me, my mm-hmm. lawyer's going to send out like these five envelopes. Um, yeah, the fucking stalker shrine basement, like the the like jerk dungeon that he has underneath the house. Um, he's presented somewhat as being this like evil mastermind who has all of all his cameras. Plans. On, he has all his plans associated in like very accurately named folders on the desktop <laughs> to, of his MacBook. Way to document all your crimes, you idiot! Yeah, I mean, there's a folder called Achilles, which is like just JPEGs of her sleeping and shit, and then a folder titled Claire video. Well, well she it, finds all yeah, on his desktop too. Yeah, yeah, she finds the Dodge Charger folder, which has schematics and shit and PNGs about the brakes. There's a folder about some minivan. And that's when she freaks out. There's no tension here because it's like you think he's going to come in, but like not really. It's never presented as that threatening. And then the goofy girl. Because well, we know he he eventually realizes that he's he's been had and it's Christian Chenoweth driving. So he like turns around in the middle of the street like an asshole and is like racing back the other direction. Did you see when in his like little stalker shrine, there appears to be like some little like little like camp bed or something in here. There's like yeah, a pillow yeah. and blankets like 
is that i i don't know is that like the pillow that they had sex on or something i don't know like has he just been crashing down there the way it's arranged with like the photos going up a wall and kind of onto the ceiling i assumed he just gets into this like sleeping bag and just like you know rather than like sleeping under the stars he just like masturbates under like a like a nighttime view of her because i guess if he sets up the stalker shrine in his bedroom that she has full view of she'll give himself away yeah I, I was yeah. kind of almost wondering if they're going to do a thing or it's just like, that guy's not his grandfather or something, or, you know, his granduncle or whatever, like if they're going to go in that direction, but no. Would the movie have been better if Chenoweth was having the affair with John Corbett? Not in any personal way. She's not clearly not like really J-Lo's friend. Anyway, so. Anyway, I, I checked. Um, it's not the same pillow, but whatever. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I got the black light out. There's mm-hmm. no stains. Um, well, there are so, but, you know different things. So at one point, because J Lo thinks that he's going to come in and get her either at his house or her house any moment now. She's on the phone with Chenoweth. She's asking Chenoweth if she knows like a shit ton of cops, and I guess Chenoweth is dating the one guy because she's like, if we're not having dinner with his mom, we're having dinner with cops, which is weird. Um, the cops never come into play when Chenoweth goes missing. <laughs> no. Yeah, we just we get a little cameo from Doctor Marvin Candle here. Um, and then, of course, like predictably, uh, Ryan Guzman has not come after J-Lo in her house. He's waiting for Christian Chenoweth in her house and bashes her over the head. The uh, the Pierre, Dr. Pierre Chang like cameo is like the detective who handled the case of his dead parents or we think it's, it's his dead parents. It's so not. random to throw this in like almost at the end of the movie, like less than 20 minutes left in the movie. But like what? How weird is it that you get a flashback featuring characters that you that are nowhere else in the movie? So there's a very bizarre scene where like the dad, like Noah Sanborn's dad, is driving, and you think it's his mom, but it's not his mom. Oh, it's not and his it's like, mom because this this younger woman does this move where she like pulls up her like dress hem a little bit and then like cackles evilly, like ha ha ha, I'm the other woman, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I mean. In an Amish porn, it's to be the full-on money shop. Yeah, so then, of course, he does the classic, like, oh, shit, my brakes, and he crashes into a logging truck. Explodes. And explodes, yeah. So the bodies are destroyed. There's no toxicology report, so hence it's ruled an accident. But I'm like, why are the cops keeping the, the burnt husk of the car then? Mind you, in 15 minutes, the movie's going to be over, and we're yeah. getting this now. Yeah. This is like, you know, his. I think we find out well, that his mom, his mom killed herself because the dad was cheating. And then he like got his revenge on the dad by like you know fixing his brakes or whatever. Where did he go for however many years until he's almost twenty and about to finish high school? But why did J Lo get an appointment with this police detective to then ask pointed questions like, "Was this a two thousand six minivan?" Well, he's like, "Anything you want to tell me?" And she's like, "No." Yeah, I mean, I don't know. At a certain point, after you see he has a crazy stalker dungeon. Sooner or later, you do want to like go to the authorities, right? I don't know. I, mean, I don't know what the breaking point is there. Well, because this is why you know you and I would defend the fuck out of PLL for hundred and something episodes. Mm-hmm. Is that he should have done something that actually puts her on the line, like the fact that he was nineteen years old and legally an adult, yeah. and they had an affair before she even knew he would be a high school something, student of hers. Something that would feel. I mean. It, I realize, you know, in an abusive situation like this, you know, there's a lot of reasons why somebody might not want to go to the police. But 
it seems so over the top that they haven't really established like an emotional reason or like a plot reason for it. Like they haven't really done the work to explain why she wouldn't just be telling the cops, especially because she's already told Christian Chenoweth, you know. Well, but here's the thing, though, is that in real life abuse situations, you just have to sit there with the victim and help them work their way through it. Hollywood screenwriters have to deal with a little bit more black and white, quote unquote, logic that both they and their audiences and their producers are going to want to deal with. Um, Also, I have my notes here that Kevin is one of those kids who puts potato chips on his sandwich that he then eats with a giant glass of milk. Yeah, it's psychotic. So Noah does this whole like wannabe American Psycho monologue to Chenoweth, and then murders uh, her. Like if he had started discussing like why Demi Lovato was an underrated musical genius, this movie would have been next level. But oh, no, it's not. The the way it's shot too, it starts out on this like extreme close up, and it keeps pulling back and pulling back and slowly rising up to show us that he's talking to Kristen Chenoweth. But it's really awkwardly framed. Like this isn't. There's a there's a right way to do a kind of slow pullback reveal. This is not it. It's just very artless. Like, I almost feel like, so he, when J-Lo calls Chenoweth's phone, he will play her a previously recorded, like, Chenoweth message. There is no reason when you do the pullback that Chenoweth should still be alive. Like, he should be monologuing to her dead body. (laughs) The message is just like, hello, J-Lo, please come over to my house. I need you. Goodbye. Yeah. (laughs) Also, from the Simpsons that uh, um, Smithers has on his computer, where it's yeah. Mr. Burns, for hello, Smithers, you are very good at turning me on. The only interesting thing about this entire shot is that for some reason there's just like a cat tongue bathing itself, like over on the side of the frame. So, yeah, so JLo, speaking of that cat, JLo will get to the house. It's in full horror movie mode. It's dark. That fucking cat will jump on her squealing because it knows it's in a horror movie. And then for no reason at all, Chenoweth's body just falls out of crawl space or whatever. And the whole why does it fall? Split. Yeah, it just it's like somebody threw the body from off screen or something. Which I guess you could do with Chenoweth because she's only four eleven. She probably weighs like twenty five pounds. Mm-hmm. You could probably throw her across a football field. But the whole scene is shot by cell phone light and like not at all in an interesting way. Well, it's it's um, bizarre because there's this whole like he's monologuing to Chris Chenoweth and. You know, like leans in, being all evil, and then she's just going to be dead in the next scene. And it just, I don't know, this movie, it seems to enjoy being like really just malevolent towards Christian Chenoweth with no payoff at all. You know, and it's like, and then she died. Yeah. Like women are held captive in some fashion or another. But my point is, if you want to establish, if you already don't give a shit about women and you want to establish his like creepy villain bona fides, she should already be dead. This, yeah. Yeah. You do that. So pullback. He should be monologuing to her dead body. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so she runs outside. She calls 911. He captures her. He has a line about when I love somebody, I protect him. That's what I protect him. That's what heroes do. Can- yeah, that's really stupid. Can we talk a little bit about how when she's creeping around with her phone with the flashlight on, she's still like creeping around as though she can't be seen, even though she has this bright fucking flashlight shining in front of her. Yeah. Like, yeah. So side note about the uh, the hereditary. Is there a level of sexism where the can I talk about spoilers here? Um, I would people may prefer if you did not. Um can you be I have a question about for you it? Okay. Um the otherworldly bad guy mm-hmm. who's unhappy to be associated with a young woman is there like a level of sexism to which he would prefer being associated with a teenage boy not really okay um 
Yeah, also Noah's look in this whole end game. He has like a button up shirt, like just a like a sailor striped, boy or something, yeah. Streppy swiped there's preppy striped sweater over it. Also like a gun holster. <laughs> like a full fucking shoulder holster, yeah. Which at first I thought was like, oh, are those suspenders over his sweater? No, it's a gun holster. Mm-hmm. Uh so we find out that the John Corbett and the kid are tied up in this barn. And he's he's gonna like douse them in gasoline and light everything on fire. It's so fucking stupid. This oh, is when the climax he was or whatever. Eating a sandwich, he he called him and said, Hey, can you and your dad stop by whatever? Yeah. Um uh, the uh, Chekhov's EpiPen makes another appearance here. Yeah, like Kevin tries to get tough, like, Mom, no, if you hurt my mother, I swear to God. Yeah, so he reveals that the, the minivan was actually the dad's mistress because the mother killed herself. Um, she knocks Boy Next Door out with a, with a crowbar. And then she does the him. Halloween move where she turns around and ignores him the whole time. Even yeah. when the kid is like, Mom, he's way, he's up behind you, and she's just like still ignoring. Yeah. It's such yeah. a hackily made movie. Like, he just, sets a God, fire. garbage. In this barn, offers Shoots her a choice: the dad, yeah. live with him, live with him, or die with with, or live with me, Noah, or die with them. At one point, he's strangling her. John Corbett gets free, starts like fighting with Noah in a literal ring of fire. Stabs uh, him in the eye with an epipen, which is one of the few really. I mean, I, I cheered, I guess. Um, she then finger fucks his eye hole a little bit. Yeah, take some of that. Yeah, that was pretty fucking gross. Um, he says at one point, sometimes even heroes have to make tough choices. And she's just like, Noah, you're no hero. And then for some reason, there's an engine block, like 25 feet in the air that she like lowers the chain and crushes him. She just happens to be like right next to the quick release for it. Yeah. Why is this engine block so high up in this barn? And it, it doesn't even like, it doesn't even like satisfyingly, like, it's not like a final destination, like just like a bloody like explosion of gore or anything it just kind of knocks him out and then like pans to him with the engine block resting on his chest and it's like his head's a little bloody but like i don't know it's such a weak weak effect you know like i feel like it could have been more satisfying to see this guy die if we were gonna get a satisfying final destination moment it would have been the beginning with that fucking garage door opener clutch like Mm -hmm. decapitating uh kevin yeah so J-Lo and Kevin ride of Corbett in the ambulance. Like, you're going to get fine. It's going to be all good. And then we're going to go home. We're going to be a happy family now, even though I cheated on you. I hope you learned your lesson not to fuck other people. Yeah. Only I can do that. And that's the end of the movie. What a dog shit movie. <laughs> yeah. So I hate this movie. Um, powering or make one change. Um couple things like give her some real stakes that an audience can identify with um maybe make him younger which i think was i think i read in like the wikipedia trivia or something like that that was the original script that he was like but like not like sexual element but he was like 12 and just like kind of corrupting her son it was like basically a uh the good son thing um also i would have maybe brought back like a garage door opener to kill him at the end i mean it's a lot of things i mean this could have been a better version of these kind of B movies where somebody has an affair and it turns out bad for them, which unfortunately is a genre. It just was the worst possible version of it. This is like the lowest on the, that rung of that genre, I think. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I would have sent this movie back to the lifetime channel where it belongs. Yeah. 
Well, let's do our power rankings. I have 10. Sure. Okay. Go for it. Number 10, Ryan Guzman. Fuck that guy's character. Wow. Yeah, I just uh, couldn't stand him. He, he doesn't get though. near... Yeah, the character. He doesn't get nearly the comeuppance he should. How did you feel about Ryan Guzman, the performer? Not his best work. Okay. Uh, my number 10 is the guy who went on the date with J-Lo and really gave her a hard fucking time over being a teacher and teaching the classics. I almost put that guy number 10. That guy was the fucking monster. Yeah. That guy is like definitely going to commit crimes. And like, and, and if this was like a real world, that guy has and will continue to commit crimes, I feel like. Oh, he's got five girls tied up in his basement Like when he gets mm-hmm. back home after this date. Monster. Uh, I had the that guy at number nine because fuck him okay um well i'm just realizing i didn't finish my power rankings uh, i have kevin number nine you really didn't like kevin huh yeah so you hated kevin more than ryan guzman's character uh, you know so here's That's my thing about my my hmm. my power rankings I, I this is probably not the criteria you use and i'm sure i'm gonna hear something just not at all shitty from you about it but like at a certain point in power rankings, I will take into account just like performance and delivery from actor. Like, like sometimes my power rankings are the character, and sometimes I'm just like, you know, this character was terrible, but I really love the the experience or the you're performance. You're saying you, you really love Ryan Guzman's performance? Is that what you're saying? I, I would say there's certain points where he's committing, like he's acting in this movie more so than anyone else, and I. If if I'm going to watch a dog shit movie for 90 minutes, which thank God this movie wasn't longer, I appreciate that at least someone showed up and gave a fuck. Hmm. Yeah. Right. At number eight, I had the school bully, Ed Sheeran. Yeah. What a fucking loser that guy was. I, I just don't see how that guy is the bully. Like a skater, come on. Those guys get bullied. Yeah, I, I have him in the same spot, actually. The kid who has to explain what the fucking whiz is. Multiple lines dialogue. It's pandering to Rob Cohen in this movie. Yeah. Uh, what do we have? Number seven had John Corbett. Just fuck him. Uh, I actually do too. Um, hopefully this will change in a minute of our, our synced up rankings. Mm-hmm. I had Allie at number six. Uh, her okay. character doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, yeah, it, it seems like something was meant missing. I guess it could have been an interesting character if like, Oh, she's kind of messed up and like willing to like work with uh Ryan Guzman on like this evil plans. Like, but they, they obviously didn't explore it enough. And so it just comes off as sort of weird. Cause that one scene is very weird where she like Kevin asks her out and she's just like, yeah, no, I'm, you know, yada, 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 insert bullshit excuse. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, he just like Ryan Guzman comes around the corner and just like looks at her and she's like, Oh, but I don't have a date for the fall fling. And it's like, are you trying to proxy date Ryan Guzman or what's going on? Yeah. And then that level of, of involvement she has later on is just so suspect. Mm-hmm. All right. What's your number six? Uh, the principal. Cause I was <laughs> like coming up a deficit of like actual actors who had speaking roles. So mm-hmm. the guy who's not questioning your, whatever he's questioning, not questioning your integrity, your behavior. Yeah, I have. I uh, probably should have put this guy higher. I had uh, Dr. Marvin Candle at number five. Mm. Yeah, he actually, I totally forgot he was in this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. He, he so, shows up right at the end, pretty much. Yeah, 
I mean, he's he's on set for like three hours. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm sorry, I have to get back to the expanse. Um, uh, number five, I have the secretary who smells like cookies. Sec- oh, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Not even a a character in the movie made number five. Nope. Hmm. Uh, higher than Kevin. Yeah, I had a uh, Kevin at number four. Okay. Uh, not that I particularly liked him or anything, but I didn't hate him. Like you yeah, said, him. Oh, I really hate him. At number four, I have Chenoweth. Mm, okay. I had a uh, J Lo at number three. I mean, she's. I can't say she's trying, but uh, I don't know. She had to put up a lot of bullshit while filming this. I'm sure. So I'll slaughter her there. <laughs> I just, I, I, I don't know. Once upon a time, JLo could have been a serious actor and she just decided not to. Yeah. I mean, JLo is the actor who I believe has a movie that's actually called enough, Mm -hmm. which if I remember correctly is a movie about a woman trying to escape like her abusive husband. And she finally starts, Decides enough is enough. I'm gonna I'm gonna stand up to him, mm-hmm. which I think is like a Billy Campbell role. I mean, whatever. Billy Campbell, John Corbett, same thing. Um, number three, I have Ryan Guzman. Okay. Anything to say about it, or you just have Guzman at three? I have Ryan Guzman number three. I again, he's. I feel like whoa. Okay, so like J Lo is phoning this in is the nicest way to put it. I mean, she has a certain level of presence because she's J-Lo and she's like not unbearable. She's one of those people who can just show up and just like read the phone book and it's going to still be more likable than like, you know, me in this role or whatever. Um, but Ryan Guzman, like, I feel like I can feel it. Here's a young actor who was hungry for a starring role and he is going to play this. Like I have never seen fear with Mark Wahlberg, but I feel like he's like, okay, this is my version of that. You know, maybe I'll get something out of this. Maybe I'll get my boogie nights after this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you know they made a fake head for uh, his like getting his eye gouge scene? Oh, really? It cost twenty four thousand dollars to make. Wow, this is a four million dollar movie, and twenty four thousand was a fake head. Mm-hmm. I know J Lo like had to bring her own clothes. Yeah, she supplied her own wardrobe. Yeah. Uh, at number two, I had the principal, just because whatever. Yeah, that's the most whatever ranking ever. And number two, I have J Lo because it's J Lo, whatever. Yeah, I had a Christian Cheno at the number one. Just I feel like she she deserves something for having to put up with this bullshit. I it seems like her character is going to be a lot more involved than than she actually was. There was a one point where I really thought she was going to like be hungry for the boy next door's D initially. Yeah, she never really expressed an interest. When he starts quoting like the Iliad and like talking about Achilles to she's her, I like, think nah. she's just she's like, "Oh, goddamn, you killed my later boner." Yeah, my number one is Hardware Store Girl. Um, <laughs> really okay. <laughs> a lot of mystery there. This, what is what is her story? What's she doing? Like, what is her what is her nefarious plans with this boy? Like, what has he promised her? Why? What is she getting out of this? Yeah. Did you ever see uh, Murder by Numbers? Did you ever watch that movie? The Sandra Bullock movie with like Michael Pitt and Gosling? Michael Pitt and Gosling, yeah. Yeah. So there's a bit in that movie where Michael Pitt and Gosling are these like teenage serial killers, and Michael Pitt is obsessed with this one chick from school. And so Agnes Bruckner, yeah. Yeah. In order to get back 
and like because they're 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 serial killer partners, right? Uh, and, and, and yeah, yeah. Gosling, in order to like I don't know, like do like a power move on Michael Pitt, like goes and like is nice to the girl that Michael Pitt likes, to, like get her to come back to his his place and like films him having sex. And it's like I don't know if this was supposed to be something like that, like just to show this guy's like power or something, but it just didn't come off like they'd established it enough. Well, because seemingly Kevin never notices. Yeah, Kevin, Kevin, Kevin has no idea. Yeah. Kevin is such a non-entity. That movie, Murder by Numbers, is by no means what I would call a really good movie, but like Better than that this. was the movie before their careers began where I was like, wow, Ryan Gosling, poor man's Brad Pitt, Michael Pitt, poor man's Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. Really poor man's. Yeah. Although, hot take, I'm going to say this, Hating Michael Pitt for the fashion. I think he's a better actor than DiCaprio's. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, would I you? I would say he eats more range for sure. Yeah, more, okay. more range. Yeah. Would you recommend this movie? Uh the extreme caveat of knowing what you're getting and like watch it with some friends, have a few drinks, make fun of how bad it is, talk about like how like like sexist and nightmarish the 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 quote-unquote message if it's there is um don't watch this by yourself expecting any high art or anything it's a bad it's a fucking bad movie yeah, don't watch it at all that's my advice fuck this movie it's terrible which is okay what are we gonna watch next um so i had an idea for that okay uh this is another movie starring your your new favorite favorite actor ryan guzman he's done other movies he has Oh shit! He's in a Linkletter movie. Which Linkletter movie is in? The Everybody Wants Some. Everybody Wants Some. Really? Mm-hmm. That's what you're going to suggest? That's what I'm going to suggest. Why? Why that one? I haven't seen it. Supposedly it's good. This is the one that's like a uh, spiritual sequel to Days and Confused, or something like that, or something. Yeah, it's about like baseball players in the '80s. And- okay, so it's got it's got Zoe Deutsch who I think is potentially great if she can get like decent roles. You're, you're like it's got, let me scroll all the way down to the bottom of my IMDb. It's got Zoe Deutsch. Well, I went to Wikipedia. Okay. So she's towards the top. Uh, I can't, why Russell is that? Um, yeah. What's his name? Kurt, Kurt, Kurt Russell's son. Kurt Russell's son. Yeah. Previously from like that one episode of black mirror. Okay. It's like an eighties, like college movie. Yeah. They're like minor league baseball players or something. Where can I find this? Can I find this on streaming stuff? I don't, I don't know. Let me check on Netflix here. I mean, with our luck, seemingly none of this shit's on streaming lately. Yeah, it, it did take me forever to download The Boy Next Door. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like the torrent websites were like, are you sure? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. the uh, Scroll on Wikipedia, you can see the soundtrack to Everybody Wants Some. And it is... It is very 80s. I mean, I would hope so. Let's see. Pat, Pat Benatar. It looks like it might be on Hulu. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm very curious how Ryan Guzman fits into the Everybody Wants Some. I think he's like one of the main four. I think it's like four main dudes. Could be wrong. Okay. Um, yeah, I've never, I've never even seen the trailer for this movie, but supposedly it's good. Are you like uh you're not like really like a link ladder head though? Not really. I mean, I was not a big Days and Confused fan. I do like the before movies, obviously, but mm-hmm. I'd never watched like um 
that animated one or some of his other shit. Didn't watch Boyhood. Didn't interest me. So, yeah, we'll see. Looks like Where'd You Go Burnett is finally coming out next year. Oh, interesting. Okay. He's done a lot of movies that I didn't realize were actually him, like Last Flag Flying. And a lot of movies that I don't care to go see. Yeah. What's okay. the, the name of some of these characters? You got Jake. You got Jay. You got Roper. That's Ryan Guzman. You got nice. Mick Reynolds. Yes. Willoughby. Yes. Finnegan. Oh, there's a character called Coma. There's a character called Plumber. Yeah. There's a guy who's just a coach. He's Coach Gordon. And Gordon is not about how you think. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, Zoe Deutsch. This is very 80s. Her character's name is Beverly. <laughs> All right. Sounds Who's good. naming their kids Beverly these days? Yeah, nobody that's who. All right. All right. We'll be back next week to talk about that. Okay, cool. All right. Bye.